civil rights movement, a decade-long struggle from 1954 to 1968 by the American black community to end racial discrimination and segregation. And 52 years later, the same battle is being fought by the American black community today. I'm Syrah, and welcome to The Catalyzer, where we initiate everyday relatable topics. For people who don't understand Black Lives Matter movement or are silent, I'm hoping that it's because you're taking the time to understand and process it so you can support it. It's no better if someone is supporting a cause without understanding it just to fit in. So allow me to help you understand, as I also took the time to process before getting behind the movement. I won't pretend that I feel the pain of being a black person in America, because truthfully, I don't. I've never had to go through what the black community is going through on a regular basis. While this is not a matter that affects me personally, but I have the conscience to comprehend what is right and what is wrong. The constant fear that the black community live in, that is wrong. To think that their lives are disposable, that is wrong. Now, you can be a person from any race, religion, or gender, but if you've ever asked to be treated equally at any point in time in your life, then you owe your support to the black community as well as the Black Lives Matter movement. Because you cannot ask for equality if you cannot give it to everyone. You cannot ask for respect if you cannot have it for everyone. Simply, if today we don't fight for the rights of our black community to be treated equally, then tomorrow we lose the right to ever ask to be treated equally whether it be at home, boardrooms, or public settings. Another thing, another thing I wanted to reiterate from an earlier episode. If there is one thing I've learned from this pandemic, that is that we're all equally human. Your skin color, gender, class, religion, or sexuality doesn't grant you any immunity to this virus, to the nature to the universe, even to this virus, we're all equal. We're all equally human. So today, I have with me to discuss the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and Black allyship, or, and, as the society would describe them as, so we have Irvi, the Indian American, Liz, the white American, and Yaling, the Chinese American. Well, all right, ladies, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. And uh, so what we're witnessing today is more like a modern day civil war, right? It's like black people are having to fight for their rights and equality in the society all over again, even after so many years, right? And before we begin with our chat today, I wanted to say that it likely is that we're not going to get it all right. These are difficult conversations. But I think the action must persist, the dialogues must continue, so, which is why I really wanted to have this chat with you guys today. 
uh, to one, to get an understanding of where do we stand with our understanding of this um, movement, this matter, right? And two, what can we do or what are we doing even today to help the black community? And before I begin with my question, I wanted to let the listeners know that um, these are difficult conversations. And uh, if we do say something that doesn't sound right, do forgive us because these are um, these are all coming from a good place. Um, we're all allies. We all want the best. And if we aren't um, speaking with the most accuracy, do forgive us. All right, with that, um, Liz, maybe uh, I'll start with you. Uh, my first question is, uh, what was your trigger moment, right, when you realized that what the black community is going through is not simply acceptable? And before you begin, let me, maybe, let me give you a quick example of mine, and then that way you could probably relate your story. So my trigger moment, right, was when I saw when I when I saw the video of George Floyd uh, getting pinned to the ground, and I thought to myself that this can't be, this can't be it, right? A man loses his life over a twenty dollar uh, counterfeit. Like, could anybody's life be this invaluable? I think that's that that truly was the trigger point for me. Uh, what about you, Liz? So for me, it was actually Ahmaud Arbery and seeing seeing that video of Ahmaud Arbery being shot down by a, two white guys in, in a truck that thought they had the right to do that. Um, and it's just so insensible that, you know, they, they had these excuses. Oh, they, they thought that he just robbed a house. They thought he was running away to evade the cops or something. Um, but even even if that was true, and even if he did do something horrible, that doesn't give them to right to just shoot him down in the middle of the street. Um, and I mean, it, go, it goes through a lot of it touches upon a lot of um, issues there, whether it be, um, you know, gun control, whether it be uh, racism, but also um, the fact that it took so long for justice to be served in that situation as well is ridiculous. And I. I think that that's like really what sparked it for me. But then also seeing the other um, examples like Breonna Taylor, that just is absolutely ridiculous how they shot her down in her own home because the cops made a mistake. And I think it's really, really important for when police say they're given a lot of power and they're given a lot of responsibilities and they need to do basic things like double checking an address or they have to do, they have to do their due diligence because they are, you know, in charge of people's lives and in charge of people's safety. Um, and so that's an issue that doesn't just hurt black people. It hurts everybody. And, and it's insane that, um, it's even, it's even worse. It's way, way worse for people of color but it is an issue that affects everybody, whether you're white, black, Asian, anything. Um, and it's not a black issue, it's a people issue. You know, it's an American issue that everybody should care about. No, I mean, I agree with it, right? Like, um, if we keep, uh, there's, there's, I feel like there's two-folded issues here. One is definitely that the black community is targeted time after time. The other is that, uh, 
there, there's police brutality that I, I don't think we have voiced against as, as of until now, right? And, and police brutality could very well go against anybody. And uh, for, for even myself, for being a woman of color and who's also Muslim, very, uh, very much self a suspect of a profiling, right? I, I'm, I'm willing to comply, but in it has to come with the right sort of um, guidance and for them to, like, they have to take the right steps in order for them to pin me with, you know, without any evidence. Like, there needs to be some sort of process and um, steps in place so that they don't just assume because in, in their uh, work, by being biased is not um, in the best sense for anyone, right? I think um, there's definitely two things in here, um, as you said, Liz. Uh, police brutality can impact anybody, and obviously, in, in in the midst of it all, I think the black community is getting pinned down the most without um, any any sort of prime suspect. All right, um, then I guess we can uh, going off of that, right? Um, maybe my question is for Yaling: Is you know, a lot of us aren't from the black community, right? So I understand that we're not, maybe we're not seeing this movement as something that affects us personally. But why do you think that, you know, people in general, white or non-white, are having such a hard time understanding the message behind Black Lives Matter? Well, I think part of the issue is that we should care about issues that don't impact us directly. Um, I, I don't. I don't feel like there needs to be something that happens to me or to you or to Liz or to Irvi that, you know, has to cause this to happen. So my my first protest was when I was 18. <laughs> wow, that's young. Um, and I went to Occupy DC and very shortly after that, that same year, um, the Ferguson stuff happened and the things in Baltimore happened. And so I continued to go to DC for protests from Baltimore uh, or, you know, and then within Baltimore uh, in order to kind of like, well, I was already going there to be honest. So, um, you know, I kept going to those protests and what really got me about like the people who kind of were like standing around on the streets and criticizing were just kind of like, they didn't, get it. And I, I wrote a little bit kind of about why I think a lot of Americans in general who are not black don't get it. Um, and a lot of it is because we treat so much of this as ancient history. Like we treat things that happened 20, 30 years ago as if they happened hundreds of years ago. And that's kind of the way that we currently, so I was really interested in history, um, as a teenager and then I continued being into history and like law and everything into college even though I was in business school I took a lot of law classes for fun <laughs> which I understand text me as a huge dork but no they were like they were good classes um one I got the chance to actually speak to people who um wanted to become cops um and then two, I got to get an insight into a lot of the information that you just kind of gloss over in American history. 
So I, like, I did, like, the honors history stuff, you know? So it's not like I was taught the bare minimum because it wasn't necessary for me to understand. Like, these classes were supposed to be created for people who really wanted to learn. And we spent probably, like, 50% of all of my history time on the world wars and maybe 5% on civil rights at all. And I've seen a lot of kind of Twitter arguments about that, which I definitely resonate with, where it was very much like um, the civil rights movement with MLK being nice to people and Rosa Parks being like slightly rude to somebody one time. And then uh, white people were like, oh, it's fine. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) This is great. You're right. And then racism was over. And that's just not, that's not how that works. Like, that's not, um, when MLK was in Montgomery, Alabama, like, Montgomery, Alabama is still very racist. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, it didn't just kind of, you know, it didn't just, like, switch the narrative just because, like, this one thing happened and, oh, and we, like, barely even covered, like, the Black Panthers, like, at all. Uh, right, like right. we didn't, we didn't cover Malcolm X. We they mentioned that he existed, but he was kind of portrayed as like the bad guy, and like that he. There was like one line I remember from a history book that they were like, um, uh, he was like part of the movement that wanted all the black people to move back to Africa, which is a very strange simplification <laughs> of what he wanted. <laughs> so like the way that we're taught about civil rights in history in like classes and that first kind of um, dive into anything concerning civil rights within our classrooms is just extremely lacking. And I think that's a huge part of why nobody who isn't actually black and actually encountering these things daily uh, get it. And I, I know like until I one decide like i took like holocaust and genocide in like high school like at some point somebody should have taught me to get it you know uh and i don't think anyone ever did until uh even after ferguson i think i took the time to make get myself like um educated i learned about the innocence project i learned about a whole bunch of organizations um i i learned about what the NAACP actually did like during that time and but that was me and I don't feel like it should just be personal responsibility I think it should be incorporated in our classes and I think that's a huge part of why yeah all right um building off of that I totally agree that we do have a racist education is well, at least in the Northeast, I don't know how it is anywhere else, but I grew up in the Northeast. And yeah, the fact that we learn about civil rights for like a couple of days in the month of February, like right. where in, in, in reality, black history is American history. And it's so interwoven into to every era of American history. And there should always be black history alongside all the other parts of American history because it is American history. And I totally agree. The fact that, you know, the black Panthers were mentioned once as this, 
um, militant group that was violent and aggressive and et cetera, et cetera, where in reality they did so many peaceful things. They fed uh, children breakfast to thousands and thousands of kids. They opened up free health clinics and nobody really talks about that. Nobody really knows about that. And, you know, I think something so important about this movement, what's happening right now is that people are thinking that like, you know, people never thought they were racist. People never thought they had anything towards black people, but now people are really starting to be really introspective with themselves and really think about like, wow, like I had the super racist education growing up and I, you know, benefit from racist capitalism and I, uh, you know, I benefit from all these different racist institutions and uh, my employer is has a lot more white people than black people. And like, if I benefit from all these things and I'm living um, within all these racist institutions and maybe I am racist or maybe there's something else I can do more, maybe either through ignorance or not knowing enough or misinformation. And I think that's something so important about this movement. People are really starting to think about that and thinking, you know, I could definitely do more and I will do more. And I think that's really important. Yep. And uh, Urvi, I think you have something to add. Yeah. So I just want to add, like, also coming from an immigrant perspective, right? Growing up, um, and I grew up in Jersey City, which was a very strong immigrant community. Um, immigrant families, specifically immigrant parents, were very afraid to break the norm, right? You didn't want to step out of line. You didn't want anything to happen that would put you in a bad spot because parents are really afraid, like, oh my God, I came to this country. I don't know anybody. Okay, if my kids go out and if they do something or if I go out and I take a stand, well, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? Because I don't have the protection that maybe normal Americans do. So I think a fear comes from a large part from the non-white immigrant community and even like a white immigrant community. And the second part I want to say to why a lot of people don't understand Black Lives Matter is, and I actually had this conversation or a debate, let's say, yesterday with a white American was, it's not against you personally, right? Like this is talking about history. This is talking about facts that happen to black people, that happen to people of color, not just in America, but throughout the rest of the world. And I remember in this conversation, you know, um, this person kept hitting back and was like, no, wait, so are you saying I'm Hitler? I'm Stalin? It's like, God. no, no, no. Understand the history behind it, right? Yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> like, <laughs> even though it's not about you, you are benefiting from a system that was built for you. And until people start realizing, like, it is not in person by person, like, oh, let me target you right now. It is about history. And until you learn that history, we cannot create a more just uh, society. And another thing is, like, even I think, like, in corporate, uh, a lot of times people tend to take uh, people just tend to blow things off as jokes. Right. Um, One time I went to a dinner party with a few people and it was me and maybe two other people that were people of color. One was a black girl and then the other person was another person of color, Latina. Right. Um, In this dinner party, we were with a lot of people we considered allies. And this wasn't even like corporate or anything. It was just a normal dinner party in New York. And somebody brought out a photo of uh, like this kind of costume party and somebody did blackface, right? The people we considered allies started laughing. 
And when you're in a group of 20 people and 17 people are laughing at the photo, it's like, oh, no, it's a joke. It's funny. Well, okay, but you have to understand the history of it, right? Like, we've been educated in this and we understand it, but to the fact that you still know it and you're laughing about it, you're complicit in the system that is taking place. You don't want to break the system because it helps you, right? So I think a lot of people also come from the fear of like, okay, wait, if I take a stand, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to the way I already benefit from it? And we need to change that mentality. It's not like, oh, you're immediately going to lose that. It's just, no, we're going to help one another kind of raise up. Yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, all of you made some really good points. I mean, again, it's in twofold, right? Uh, one is that we don't know enough about the black history and or the problems they have faced in order to even get to the position that they are in today. And that isn't even enough, right, where they are today. Um, and then there's that. And then um, beyond that, uh, other people of other colors, like you said, Ruby, uh, they were hesitant in standing out or standing up for the black community at any time because they thought, oh, if I'm if I'm with them, then I'm against the other party. Right. Um, but, you know, um, going back to the history portion, it's absolutely true. I mean, my memory of uh, any any sort of. A black stance in the history book literally was uh, limited to Rosa Parks and uh, MLK. And <laughs> I unfortunately don't know much, you know, unless until I've watched movies or something. And I was like, oh, shoot, I never knew this even existed, right? It's crazy, yeah. And, and I think, Liz, you had made this point earlier, and I couldn't agree more um, that, you know, black history shouldn't just be for a month, right? It shouldn't just be focused for a single month. It shouldn't be that you hype it up for a single month and then you forget about it for remain, remaining 11 months of the year, right? It should be in conjunction to the World War stories, to the other parts of Civil War stories that we get to read on the in the textbooks, right? So I think, yeah, w- and and I think, Yaling, you made this point uh, where we treat what happened to black people wasn't wasn't in the more recent years, but something that happened two to three hundred years ago or something like that. Right. Because we do tend to think, oh, yeah, I mean, things are fine now. Right. I mean, uh, I think I, just from speaking to people in the more recent days, I've gotten this uh, this understanding from them that they're just like, hey, you know what? We're in a better place now. I don't know what you're complaining about. Uh, you have the same rights as myself. You have the same ability to do something as, as I do. I don't understand why is this still an issue today, right? So I feel like that's where a lot of people are coming from. And I feel like that's because, again, as to what each and every one of you said, is that most of us, even even people like myself, who's who's a brown American, who's a Bangladeshi American, I I benefit from the the systematic racism as well, um, and 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 especially if you're a person of color, or even if you're a white American who migrated or your family migrated, I think we all, to a certain degree, owe all of what we have today to the black community. And I say that because if it weren't for them, you know, I don't think we would ever have uh, racial equality to, I mean, it's not equal yet, but to the certain degree that we do have, it's, it's because they fought for that, right? 
And then we were able to migrate. And only then, you know, America introduced some of those diversity visas through which, you know, a lot of our families were able to migrate. You know, but it, it probably wouldn't even be in the be a thing in the first place if black people didn't fight for their rights, which we're reaping the benefits of today. Um, and on that topic, and Urvi, my question is to you next. Um, so, you know, because, you know, we're, we continuously hear black, 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 and now, you know, we're seeing other countries um, sort of capitalizing on this and um, asking for, like, fairness cream and things like that to be banned, um, you know, uh, redefining what we consider beautiful beauty, right? But do you think the issue is bigger than skin color? And I say this because, you know, there's this stigma, right, uh, that black people are dangerous, uh, black people are violent. Um, and, and not just that, but, like, there, there are people, uh, for example, Dominicans who share the same exact feature as a black person. But, then, but they'll go out of their way to tell you that they're not black. It's not, it's not the color of their skin that bothers them, but the association with the uh, community, I feel like, that bothers them. Why do you, so how do you think we as allies can help lift the stigma? Or what, what your take is also on the stigma itself? Um, so I 100% agree. It's not just skin color. Of course, colorism is extremely prevalent in different cultures throughout the world. And, you know, we are fighting that. But that also stems from a deeper idea of like, no, being darker is considered bad because you're considered less educated. You're considered um, maybe a thug or ghetto. Right. Um, In many cases, like, for example, in Jersey City growing up. Right. Um, And we had a very strong black community. We had a strong Latin community. Um, Those kind of. Uh, what's the word like those kind of ideas were very prevalent and I think as allies it's important now more than ever that when we do hear something that has a racist undertone right like somebody might not have been blatantly racist or saying something racist but it does have an undertone to it that we have to just constantly question well where is this coming from right why do you think this way and I think it's important to kind of just break down those ideas behind something because most of the time when people say something similar that's like oh no no this community here is just ghetto or this community is just poor. They're uneducated. Well, why do you think that? Have you stepped in it? Have you tried to understand them? Why do you think that just being darker is associated to something negative? Right. Um, And a lot of the times I feel like a good way, or at least what I would consider a good way to break down these ideas is to create a safe space for questions. Cause Many times, and I've found this in discussions that I've had with people that I don't even know, like, um, people are afraid to change their ideas because they're afraid to ask questions because they're afraid of the backlash. So in, like, forums like this, right, it's it's important to have that safe space so people can ask questions. People can understand where the other side is coming from. And I think by doing that, by sharing ideas, by sharing experiences, and by listening, we'll be able to break down the stigma that, uh, being darker or being black is considered negative or considered ghetto. You know, um, I did like, I understand what you're saying too. Cause the other day I went to get coffee somewhere and there was a person of African descent, like from, uh, from a country in Africa and I forgot where, but I asked him, I was like, Oh, are you, uh, are you from here? And he's like, no, I'm African. I do not associate being African American. <laughs> right. And 
for some reason he, he was mentioning like it comes with if you're considered african-american it comes with the stigma that you are aggressive that you constantly fight people you know and for somebody that i don't know or have never met before to just say that to me it was it was surprising i'm not gonna lie um but yeah so i think the good, a way to change that is just keep having discussions have kind of force people to really be introspective and see, well, where are these ideas coming from? Is this from a general media thing you see and you just automatically assume it's interrelated? Or is this from experience or what? Like, is it through education? All right, Liz, you have something? Yeah, so um, going through that, um, or, or building off of that, um, I read a great post on um, Instagram uh, yesterday, and I, that brings me to one another point, is that so many things are being posted on Instagram, and it's so much great information, and I think that's something so amazing about this movement, is that all of this is get, getting onto social media, and it's flooding everybody's social media, and it really forces people to educate themselves on the issue, and you really do not know how ignorant or misinformed or uninformed you are until you start learning these things. So I definitely encourage everybody, like whenever you see a post like this, read through it, definitely worth it. But I read one of these posts last night, and it, it was about, um, it was written by a black person, and it, it talked about um, people people's reservations about using the word black versus african-american and people think that african-american is more politically correct and they feel like uh saying the word black is very derogatory and um i you know me as a white person i've been in this situation a million times and i'm sure you guys have too where like you're talking to another person and the other person's like, oh, do you know this guy? And I'm like, um, I don't know, uh, describe him. And they're like, um, he's tall, <laughs> really nice, um, curly hair, um, and we'll use every descriptor except black, which would be like the one descriptor that would actually help narrow down the options. True. And it's like, why didn't you just say black? Like that would have been so much more helpful. And it's like, oh, because, you know, I thought it would be rude. But in reality, like, the fact that people think using the word black is rude is, like, honestly, very, very, uh, it's, like, very, I can't even think of a good word for it because they they are black and they, that's, by, by making that derogatory, by thinking that word is rude, you're you're insinuating something negative about the word black, about their uh, skin color, about their their culture. And by using the word African-American, I, I actually read that people, some black people actually don't like that word because A, they, they don't really know if they're African, they can't really trace their um, lineage right back to a specific area in, in Africa. They probably know that their ancestors came from Africa or, or their distant family came from Africa, but they don't know exactly where. They don't feel African, they're American. Um, and then another um, another thing about that is that by hyphening it, by making somebody African-American and by adding that hyphen, it takes away some of their Americanness and they're less American. They're not American, they're African-American. And by making that hyphen, it diminishes it a little bit. And so I think by 
you know, obviously every, uh, every black person is different. Maybe some people don't like being called black, but, uh, for the most part, this post told me that, you know, it's, people should be more proud and people should be using the word black because there's nothing wrong with that word. And by having the reservations against that word, um, you're insinuating something and it's not helping anybody. Um, and so by using the word black and, and being more comfortable with that, um, I think that's another way to, to kind of help the situation. It's interesting, and, and I say this because it's um, it, many times I actually don't know in a situation if I should address to someone as African African American or Black, and and again because uh, in from the way I see it, it's or from the way I've heard it previously, right? It it almost felt like calling someone Black was like cursing at them, right? But then again, in a, in in retrospect, I also think about it, and I'm like, but calling someone white isn't derogatory, right? Um, and we don't call white Americans white Americans, right? So why should we call black Americans African American? As to your point, Liz, right? Like you, by by hyphenating, you're somehow taking away uh, them being an American. And actually, I was schooled many years ago when I called one of my black friends African-American. She was like, I'm not African-American. I'm just black. <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, what does that mean? She's like, she's like, I, I, I'm not from Africa. My 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 mom, my grandmother, her mother, every we've we've just been here forever. I didn't just come from Africa. I was like, fair point. OK, that now it makes sense to me. Right. Because like, you know, even if you're a white immigrant, I feel like no one goes about you saying, oh, she's an Albanian American. No, just if you're white, you're just American. You know, that's that's how I feel like it, it just works. I don't know what, where this notion came from. Right. Um, that if only if you're white, you can be considered a true American. You don't need an hyphenated X, Y, Z. Um, whereas all the time, and I think Urvi and I were having a little discussion on Instagram where, uh, on a post where, um, and I'll let you speak to it in a bit, uh, basically where we feel like an outsider in our own country, right? Because people don't understand the difference between ethnicity versus nationality, right? Um, if this was especially the case when I had to travel to, uh, Charlotte for work every week. Every time I would be in an Uber, the Uber driver would be like, oh, where are you, uh, where are you from? And I'd be like, oh, Jersey. And he'd be like, no, no, like, where are you from, from? And, and you know, being an asshole and a troll, I would just be like, oh, I'm still from, from Jersey. I don't know. I took the flight from Newark Airport. Um, I came down to Charlotte. That's where, I, that's where I came from. And then he'd be like, no, 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 like, you're an Indian? I'm like, yeah, something like that. And then, you know, I would just, I would just troll them in the beginning, I would give them a straight answer, but after a while, I was just like, I've had enough of this. So I would just troll them. But, um, but yeah, Uri, why don't you speak more to that point about that post that you posted? I think it's an interesting point. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, of course, the, so the post was, and correct me if I'm wrong, sorry, about microaggressions that happen, right, to people of color. And a lot of the time, Every job I've worked at, specifically like the jobs that um, went right out of college, you know, you don't know much going into corporate. I worked at, um, and people would be like, oh, so where are you from? Jersey City. 
I grew up here. I've been here 20 plus years. My brother is born here. They're like, no, no, no. You seem exotic. Where are you from? And it, people constantly just delve at that and keep drilling at like until you gave them an answer they were satisfied with. And there have been multiple times where being the asshole that I am, I would hit back and be like, okay, well, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Iowa. No, no, no. But really, where are you from? <laughs> Still Iowa. Okay, so then why is that answer different for you than me, right? It's like little things in our society that probably nobody pointed out before, but that are microaggressive, that have a racist undertone, that immediately, just because you look different, you're not that white American, um, you're not, you can't be from here. You must have immigrated here in the, in the last 20, 30 years, you know? Um, so it's really interesting, and especially, I, I assume most of you guys can speak to this, like, they're like, oh, okay, so what languages do you know? I mean, I know Hindi, right? I know other languages than just English, but if I didn't, why would you constantly expect me to know another language? Right. And when you do know another language, can you teach me some words? But what do I teach you, right? There, there's courses <laughs> in this. Um, so it, it's interesting because um, when I first started working right, right out of college, I didn't realize how much these little questions or these nuances would impact me until I left that job and I started working somewhere else which was more diverse but working in that first job you know I would constantly be asked about that I would constantly ask oh does this mean you and your family only eat Indian food or does this mean <laughs> oh your parents don't speak English do they own a 7-eleven <laughs> you know <laughs> a lot of things like that and I never understood the undertone of it until I stepped away and I was like Wait, so you're not even trying to get to know me or the person that I am. You're automatically assuming uh, who I am, who somebody else is, just based on what we look like. So I think it's important, like Liz, you said, like these Instagram posts are a great way to get more information, right? Especially for our generation. Um, granted, older people, if you want to get to them, go on Facebook. But our generation, Instagram is the way we get all this information. When people are having these discussions, they're putting these posts up. It really forces you to think and be like, oh, wait, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Or wait, yeah, this happened to me and I never realized why it hurt so much until somebody voiced it. So two things. And while we're on this topic, maybe Irby, I'll direct this question to you in a bit. Um, I, I agree. I agree that, um, uh, you know, being of a different color, it almost immediately takes away um, from you being an American. Uh, it's it's just interesting, and um, and which is which is why you know, and and to your point again, you know, people automatically assume things about us, right? Um, and which is why it goes back to my initial point of saying that you know, skin color is just one aspect of it, but like black community in general just have this very. Um, notion that they're violent they're they're dangerous you know um and and some even go to the point of saying uh, that they're lazy they don't they've been in america longer than other nationalities that i'm uh, sorry other ethnic group has and and if they can't uh get to the point that they should be it's on them things as such uh, that you get to hear from um from you know other racist people posting online as well Speaking of online, though, um, this is something I was thinking, and because you uh, talked about it, uh, uh, talked about having a safe space where you can have these conversations, a lot of people don't, 
know enough because they don't they don't want to question because they don't know where to question and um because we live in an in an age where unfortunately sometimes even something that 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 someone's uh genuinely questioning for their own benefit of understanding can sometimes be turned uh turned on its head and and made something completely uh different and i feel like so I've also realized that we have um a lot of people on social media who are obviously um uh supporting the movement but I sometimes question the the their their genuineness of actually supporting the cause like are you supporting it because you're seeing your peers do it and you don't want to be someone um who they can point at and be like oh you, you I didn't see a single post from you are you a racist right um like but are they truly taking it in processing it or are they just being a bandwagoner and and like and are we also wants to be blamed because i've realized that on social media sometimes if you don't act fast if you're not with it you're against it so are we also somehow enabling people uh, people from not questioning because then like what what's your thought or take on that um yeah that's that's a very interesting concept like i never thought about the whole enabling idea of it but it's true like if on social media if somebody doesn't act fast well you must be against it then right um in terms of that i would say like we I think it's important for us to realize in this age of quarantine and social media where we don't have the social interaction like try to understand the person behind the virtual screen right like some people might not be as comfortable posting um but they want to have those open discussions and I I I think it's important like as as an Indian person right I sympathize with what black people go through but I objectively I don't know what happens right until i talk to somebody and until i understand their point of view so in that sense i think it's important like for example if somebody comes to me or you and asks us hey um i really want to learn and i want to understand your point of view i think we should be able to speak to our experiences to help them right but the flip side of that becomes like do you want to learn or do you want us to actually just um to just strengthen what you already believe in right um social media is a very dangerous train at the same time because it's like a double edged sword we a lot of people and i know um a lot of influencers came under fire for this where they jumped on the black lives matter train and the things they were doing was the very things this movement is fighting against right like black face like being insensitive to the culture So I I don't know it's a, it's definitely an interesting question I think as people though we have to take a step back and realize also that there's there's somebody behind the screen right and try to understand them try to have more deep conversations with them and that's where our generation comes into play like we could have those text conversations on Instagram like you and I have had Sarah where yeah okay I see a post and then I message you or you message me and then that continues the discussion right and i think more people uh people are are at more at ease to do that than have a face to face so it it's a double edged sword sometimes but two sides of the same coin yeah 
Liz, I think you wanted to add something to the question. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I've seen everywhere on so, social media that uh, people are posting these things. And, um, you know, I didn't post anything at all for a little bit, for a couple of weeks, because, you know, I always felt like maybe a little uncomfortable talking about a black issue when I'm not black. I feel like I, I felt like uncomfortable with it because I felt like it's like a dude trying to mansplain feminism, you know? And so I felt like it wasn't my place. I didn't have the right. I didn't, I didn't, I haven't really experienced racism like that. I haven't really, you know, I'm not in that issue. Like it, how, who am I to talk about it, to, to say anything about it? And then I didn't post anything until I actually went to a peaceful uh, protest and I marched with everybody and I saw everybody there and I was in that uh, situation and I was in that environment. And then at the end, there were all these speeches from prominent black people in the community talking about the issues. And there was a mother of a, um, of a black child that was uh, murdered by police 20 years ago. And she talked about how she's been fighting for, for these issues for 20 years and you know the emotions i felt and like the the impact of actually being there was so powerful and um then i finally like posted about like my experience and like some of the the pictures that i took at the, the peaceful protest and because i just felt uncomfortable posting anything and representing that online if i if i didn't actually do anything if i if all I did was repost something on Instagram and that was my contribution, you know? Um, and so, but, but there's also like, a there's been a lot of calls to action on Instagram. Like don't just post something, do something. And, um, you know, white silence is, is violence and all those things. There's all these movements that are pushing people that are calling people to action, which I think is really important. And uh, t there's all these posts about how, um, what you can do, like, okay, you po you posted a black block on your Instagram. Now, what can you do next? And it's like you could vote, and you can uh, go to these peaceful protests, and you can incite change, and you can actually do things. And I and I think like, yes, showing your support on Instagram is so important, but actually doing something and the action is going to be so much more impactful. Yeah, absolutely. And Irvi, I think you've got something to add. Yeah, just to jump on, uh, jump on top of that, uh, accountability, right? Like, Liz, you were mentioning this accountability on Instagram, and I think that's one of the big things. Every protest I've gone to so far, that's, like, one of the main issues that's brought up. Accountability in our society, accountability of, you know, police officers, accountability of our citizens. Um, and I think that's, that's the important part. Like, are you really just posting these posts because it's easy to click a button? Or are you actually going out there? Are you involving yourself? Are you signing the petitions? And I think, like, uh, I think we do this to each other where we hold each other accountable, right? Um, so it's not, just, it's not just virtual screens anymore. It's like, oh, okay, I, great, I saw this. Do you have any other information on it? Or do you have any idea where I could donate? Maybe that you have before. So. Yeah. And, and for I people... I to jump on that too. And also, yeah. RV, it looks yeah. like your dog wants your attention. <laughs> I know. I was just about to say that. I was just about to say but for anyone I've... who doesn't see us, Irvi's dog is crying for attention and she's being a bad mom. Partially, I'm the reason to blame. God, yelling. Sorry. 
So now, okay, so I am currently in, so the majority of my friends are journalists. Um, my boyfriend is a journalist. They are in tech journalism, so it's a little bit different. So it's not like um, they're not on the field or anything. But, um, and then the other kind of side that I have been in for a really long time is like the model acting, uh, like promotional fashion kind of side of like, industry so those are two kind of sides that i'm kind of coming into contact right now and there are two companies kind of that their employees are trying to kind of hold them hold them accountable for um this idea of perform performative uh activism so one company is uh kind of being called out right now for um, being like for their black customers being badly treated for their um, black service providers and person of color service providers in general being badly treated for their uh, customer service team, the most diverse uh, part of their corporate structure being badly treated. And the other one is like from the top, like top down, it's they're like Portland-based uh, news company, and they are being also like people are trying to hold them accountable. Ex ex employees, employees that have kind of heard uh, either experienced racism within the culture themselves, or um, have heard from others, or have had to be part of those kind of HR conversations because. Uh, that's just, that's how that works. Like that's how HR, like having to report something HR works. Um, and those are both companies that have posted black squares or have posted like black lives matter and on their social medias. And there's, it's like kind of, especially if it's not paired with something else, it's kind of like putting like a little sticker in something yeah. and being like, look, I did, I did the thing. <laughs> like, look, look at me doing the thing. Yeah. And, uh, I've heard a lot of other company, obviously other companies are under fire for doing very similar things. And it's very much like, um, now it's kind of up to, yeah, it's kind of up to us just like a reset to kind of hold everybody. <laughs> Sorry. Arby's dog is still, still having a lot of fun over there. <laughs> Irvin's dog is fighting for attention. Like he wants attention so he, bad. He wants attention. Irvin just look at him once. <laughs> but like, like Irvin said, like um, we do have to continue holding. Like it's not just like the not posting. Like, like Liz said, like people cannot post for different reasons. But we do have to look into why people are posting and whether or not it's genuine or authentic or it's just kind of like. A cute little sticker to put on your Instagram so that no one yells at you, you know? Um, I don't know why I switched into that voice for that. <laughs> anyway, uh, we still have to continue holding, like, our corporate environments, like, accountable. Like, um, I wouldn't say to kind of – I wouldn't advocate really kind of turning on, like, individuals necessarily and being like, are you authentic? Are you genuine? But, like, just kind of – being willing to have these conversations in lieu of, like, as an ally, having these conversations in lieu of 
having them having to go to black people and be like, why do you think you're being killed? Um, I think it's really important. Um, and in general, the accountability is just really important underneath all the performative stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Liz? Um, yeah, and just further building on the accountability, I think it's just such an important concept. Um, you know, I'm a white person, grew up in a very, very white neighborhood, basically no diver- uh, diversity whatsoever. And um, as you guys were saying before, like with people asking you like, oh, where are you really from? I've definitely been guilty of asking like an ignorant question like that or saying an ignorant thing like that. And that's okay as long as you're accountable about it and then you learn from it and then you know enough to do it again. Like there's so many people that like will, will ask a question like that and then will get so offended when they offend the other person. Like, oh, you're just being sensitive. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I meant? Like, you don't have to be an asshole about it. But, like, to have that that uh, attitude is not going to help anyone. You know, you have to be accountable be like, oh, this person was offended. I probably said something wrong. Maybe I should learn from it and not do it again. And just having that, that mindset and that attitude is just so easy. You just, you know, adapt and, and uh, learn. And then you go from being ignorant to not being ignorant. And it's a beautiful thing. And you can, you know, that's how everybody can uh, contribute to the movement by, you know, realizing like, oh, maybe I've been doing, I've been saying all these things wrong and that I've been, you know, saying some things or doing some things that were offensive or just inactive and, and uninformed. And now I have the opportunity to, to learn all these things and really make a change and really benefit not just black people but all people of color and also white people. And then once everybody becomes more accountable and learns more, society as a whole will be elevated to this new level of, you know, um, equality and um, tolerance. And it all stems from accountability. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to add one quick thing to that. And that is, and Irvi yelling, Correct me if, you know, if you feel some other way. I don't want to speak to the entire, you know, brown, yellow people, you know, <laughs> on, on behalf of everybody. But I feel like if somebody were to ask me what my ethnicity was, I'd be more tolerant. And I'd be absolutely okay with answering that question as opposed to just assuming that I'm un-American, right? Because of my skin color. I think... Um, and it's funny because, like, um, um, I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't born here, but I came here at an early age. And I would say that I've, uh, I've known to be more of an American than a Bangladeshi in many sense, right? Um, but when I was in middle school, everybody would ask me, what's your nationality? And I'm like, why not? I'm, I have a blue passport. That's my nationality. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that is truly my nationality. <laughs> Um, but if you're asking me what my ethnicity is, I'm Bangladeshi, yes. So, I mean, forget me, I mean, but even, even someone like Urvi, right, who, who's, who's born here, who's raised here, um, to, to question her integrity as an American, it's completely, completely wrong, right? So I feel like somewhere, somehow, we need to add the concept of nationality versus ethnicity, two very different things. Because even ethnically, right, white people migrated from Europe, right? America is um, 
built the nation was built on immigrate uh, of immigrants right coming in unless you are a native american you're not of this land right so this land is just as much as yours as of anybody else of different color right um another thing i wanted to quickly add um to the original question that i had about uh are we somehow um silencing people uh, you know who maybe want to know but now they feel that either if they're not on board with it they're against it i and i think there's not a good answer to it right now because i feel like we were also um into this movement right we all wanted to make a, make something um happen asap and i feel like somewhere in the uh, when when doing so we silenced a lot of people who maybe wanted more information because maybe the tone that we had on um on social media especially when we said things like if you, your silence is as good as a racist or things of that nature i i think that enabled a lot of people to again to yelling's point post a sticker to say hey i'm not racist but i don't know if that's any any good because you know a person who uh do, doesn't really take the time to understand it they will never fight for it when time comes right um whether it be at corporate settings whether it would be at a park because they never took the time to understand it and i feel like some part of it when when we do uh, and i'm saying this because i it took me a long time to come to this realization you know uh, from from what i told you in the very beginning it wasn't until seeing george floyd's video that it truly impacted me because i was like there's a man who he literally just died in front of in front of camera um i just saw this man dying with another man's knee on his neck like over a 20 dollar counterfeit bill like that to me was unacceptable like how could life be so cheap to someone that you could just and and just the way the police officers stood so proud that just disgusted me and and i i think for me that was a wake up call right but if you if you look at it if you my wake up call came a lot later than each one of yours right you guys have been an activist you guys have been a voice for this matter much longer than i have so uh, relating to that i was thinking you know i'm sure there are other people too who haven't had this you know wake up call yet and how can we make sure that people are supporting this movement not because they think they have to but because they want to because they know it's the right thing to do and maybe again there's no answer to it right now but just something i want the listeners and us to take away is creating that safe space for people to be able to ask questions and debates aren't necessarily a bad thing is what i tell people um because if they don't ask you the questions and sometimes the questions sound wrong because that's what they've known and they're just confronting their understanding with you take it with a grain of salt correct them right don't accuse them of being a racist because i i feel like um at that point if you've made that determination uh for them i feel like they'll just they'll just they'll just go with it you know and uh, urvi get um just yeah i i 100% agree i think it's important to keep having these conversations to educate right and as allies that's probably like one of our more important jobs to have those conversations um like for example i'm just going to bring about like a conversation i had with somebody yesterday right a debate 
And this person and I um, never met him, but... And it's perfect that you say that because the next question was addressed to you about have you had any difficult conversations. So perfect leeway, go and go into it. So my dog just took my pillow, but I'll deal with that later. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this person, I've never met them, right? Um, but we were having Instagram debates back and forth about racism and sexism, right? And um, I think it is important to have constant debates and discussions, understand each other's point of view to educate better. At some, initially, he was very open to learning about, okay, well, what is Black Lives Matter movement? What is this police brutality movement about? And why are, you know, why are we all pushing for it? Um, it, it, happened, it came to a point where I think he stopped wanting to learn and immediately started accusing me of being ignorant and being like, no, you are just pinning something on me because um some white people did this and i was like no i'm not i'm trying to explain history but when it comes to having these debates i think it's important like both sides be very receptive right be open to learning because yeah as as a non-white person i can't understand what a white person would feel like right as a non-black person i can't understand what a black person would feel like i can only speak from my experiences and from what i've learned with others Similarly, hard having discussions can be hard, especially when it's with family members, when it's with extended family, when it's with friends who might not share the same mindset with you. But I, I think it's important to remember, like, it's not a one day thing, right? I've been having discussions about this with extended family, with my family for years, just to just to educate them bit by bit, just to help them understand and I think that's something, you know, people, we for, as people, we forget. And it's like, no, we should be able to have one or two conversations. They should understand my point of view. It's hard. It's hard to change what somebody has spent their whole life learning. And it takes years, some months, you know, to help them understand and break out of that little bubble. So having these discussions for anyone who's listening is hard, but you just got to keep going at it. You have to keep a level headed. If you start to get aggressive, if you start to get upset, which will happen, it's, I think it's important to just take a step back and be like, this is not like, this person does not understand your point of view because they haven't learned it. So you just have to keep pushing it and you just have to keep helping them learn. Yelling. So going off of that, uh, talking to your, to your family kind of thing, like when I first decided I was going to go to Rutgers Newark, that conversation <laughs> with my parents was just, just so many shades of ridiculous. Uh-huh. Um, my mom wanted me to move into, so she didn't want me to move into the dorms because there were going to be too many black people in the dorms because it was Newark and that's how that worked. Uh, or something so she wanted me to like rent a tiny apartment that was like twice as much as like as like dorming twice as much as dorming which is extremely expensive and it was um like a mile away from school because it was owned by like another chinese guy who didn't by the way like we went to go look at <laughs> sorry <laughs> just watching your dog uh Irby. um but just like so it was like a mile away and this guy didn't even like really upkeep the apartment anyway and it was pretty 
like it was not a good apartment and it was just like I had to like convince them to let me stay in the dorms because nothing was it was gonna be fine you know like I've been in dorms before just because we're now in Newark does not mean it's suddenly not gonna be fine I don't think they realized they sent me to Baltimore my first year and like what that meant but they knew like what Newark New Jersey meant so um they're also like the kind of people so we've had they have slowly kind of worked themselves out of like the worst parts of racism I think so like my my dad has worked and has owned and worked in a lot of restaurants so he's like slowly began to see Hispanic and black people as like (laughs) normal people (laughs) and that's like so funny to think of but like it's they've like slowly kind of dragged themselves out of there we've had my, my dad has um, now has like friends of like other cultures when that was never like my dad, my dad didn't have friends, to be honest. Like that's just how that like not not how like my family worked. And then my mom had always been even when I went to Rutgers, Newark, and I finally gained black friends just because I met met black people because I come from like Randolph. I come from Morris County didn't really know any there was like one guy in my grade I think and he like was on the football team and he was the only black person I knew of in my grade full stop I did not know any black people at all until I went to records but like once I finally kind of had friends who I would bring home and I would like talk to and would go out with and I would show my parents pictures of like then I suddenly heard things like wow, she's really pretty for a black girl. And I'm like, mom, what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if I'm on <laughs> But like having those conversations were so important. And then just like whenever I, I showed them, this is back, this is when like the, the Muslim, like the Islamophobia was a little bit more uh, kind of in the zeitgeist. But like my mom would see pictures of, you guys know Zainab? Yeah. She wears yeah. Uh, hijab. Yeah, she wears a scarf sometimes, and then there are a couple other people within the group that wear scarves sometimes. And my mom was like, why do they do that? Like, isn't it hot? <laughs> or like, I don't get it. Like, why would they do that if it, if, if it makes them stand out? And I'm like, well, it's their religion. Why does grandma go to church every day? <laughs> to be honest, I we don't know the answer to that question. We're not very religious, like, in our immediate family. So, <laughs> But like... Why, why, why does it, it's because it's part of their religions, because they, they want to, like, so what? Like, it doesn't make them, like, more or less, like, people, like, they're, they're not more or less friends because they wear headscarves, and having those conversations, like, I've never, I've always been kind of, like, I wouldn't say the black sheep, the family, my family loves me, <laughs> but <laughs> I've always been, like, a very outspoken person in my family, um, we had a conversation once where we kind of took it. And again, my parents, my family is not very spiritual at all. Uh, but even there was one time we like looked at our different uh, Chinese astrological signs. And I am the only one that's not harmonious with the rest of the family. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like my, my, my mom, dad, my brother are all like in the same compatibility thing. It's literally like a triangle for them. And then I'm just like this random person. (laughs) But I've always been like, not afraid of like, kind of challenging them. They've never made me feel afraid of challenging them. 
So I've always challenged them. But having those conversations is like, I, I just felt like over the years, like it's gotten easier, but at the same time, you listen to them and you're like, oh, wait, you don't know that. Where would you have heard that? Where would you have learned that? That's why I have to talk to you. Like, you don't talk to like black people about police brutality on a daily basis. Why would you, why? Why would you talk to anybody about that? So of course, now that we're talking about it, I have to tell you because I am the one who can tell you. So that's just my two cents there. Yeah, and the quick thing I wanted to point out, and then Liz, we can move on to you, um, is, you know, your mom asking, hey, why, why does your friend wear the headscarf? And isn't it hot? Like, I don't think it's coming from a, a bad place. It's truly coming from a place of curiosity. And these are the kind of questions we have to be okay with, like, and not pin them as like, mom, you're such a racist. Like, it's truly just coming <laughs> from a place of curiosity. And once you explain to them, you know, maybe they're like, you know, I don't, I don't get it, but it's okay. You know, it's, it's not something I have to be behind, but as long as I don't create a problem, cause a problem for them, that's, that's living in harmony, right? We're not going to always understand everything of the other person or their culture, their religion. Um, but if we can learn to respect it and not challenge it, I think that's where we start to sort of create harmony. Liz? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and the fact that we, sh we can't be afraid anymore to ask questions like this, like um, whether I just had a, a conversation recently, like honestly, I was kind of shaky on the concept of cultural appropriation. And I asked some people of color, like, like, why is it bad that Kim Kardashian wore cornrows? Or like, why, like, can you explain this to me? I'm kind of shaky on this. I don't really understand. And, you know, I, yeah, I was afraid that they're going to be like, how could you say that? But, you know, they weren't. And, and they were very open. We had a great conversation about it. And they learned a lot. And having those conversations and not being afraid to, to ask these questions, um, that's how you become more tolerant and more informed. And uh, by... And then also on the flip side of that, like how you're saying, when people ask you these questions or you see somebody asking these questions that seem ignorant, that seem uninformed or racist, you know, be patient with them and, and explain it to them because they really are just trying to learn more. They're curious or coming from a place of just, I don't really understand this. Can you explain it to me? And I think, you know, it comes from both sides being patient with each other and being open to a conversation. Um, yes, conversations can don't always go the way that you want it to. And I've had to have, I think a lot of people, especially like first generation immigrants, have family that uh, where you don't really see eye to eye on certain issues. I recently had a conversation with one of my mom's friends and he was like he kept saying like i don't get this like all lives matter or like why is it just black people and like um he just really did not understand it he didn't get it he seemed very disproving when i told him i went to a peaceful protest and i kind of had to like i was very patient with him and i kind of just explained like well you know like black people have been oppressed for so long and police brutality is so much worse for them like they get killed all the time and it's it far outweighs the amount of white people that get killed and they face a lot of a lot more hardships just because of their color and I had to explain this to them and he wasn't very receptive of it and he kept saying that you know I'm a, a 
40-year-old man, like, I know what's right and wrong. I don't need anybody to tell me what's right and wrong. And so you are going to run into these situations where you just can't convince someone. And so it's like, okay, like, agree to disagree, I guess. Like, I tried. You can, you can only do as much as, as try. And um, I think the important thing isn't to be like, wow, you're just a racist. I'm not going to talk to you anymore and, like, blow up. I don't think that's going to help anybody um, because, at, at, like, if you have a calm conversation about it and you're still not getting it, then, I mean, you can keep trying, but um, getting angry and flipping out is not going to really do anything. So you, you kind of just have to hope that eventually they do become informed um, and, you know, just make sure you yourself are informed and you yourself are trying to spread good things and that if you hear somebody say something ignorant, you try to explain to them calmly um, why you think they're wrong and try to, I think just this, this whole movement is so great because it's opening so many conversations and so many people are actually talking about it right now. And like you mentioned before, you know, you don't really talk to your black friends about like, Oh, tell me about police brutality or like, tell me about times that people were racist right. towards you. Right. Like, these these conversations are uncomfortable, you know? Nobody wants to talk to the, about them. You want to, you know, chill with your friends. You don't want to talk about these things. But the what's going on right now, it's forcing people to talk about these things, which is so great. And people are having these uncomfortable conversations. And that's really how we're going to move towards change. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Uri? Just real quick to add, I read some, I saw something on Instagram uh, a week ago. You know, we're back to the Instagram thing. I love uh, Instagram. And it was a post, and it said, whenever we go through something, right, We the first thought we have is usually what we're conditioned to think by society, like growing up, by the values we were given, or not the values, but like what we were raised in, right? And then the second thought is uh, what we've learned and what we actually believe in. So I think that's important to realize and also be introspective to ourselves because a lot of times, like like Liz, you said, these are uncomfortable conversations and immediately you want to just shut yourself down, right? Um, I think it's important to realize like, okay, wait, that thing I just thought, let me backtrack a little. Let me, um, let me actually learn more. Let me be open to having these conversations. Let me be open to learning more. And that's really important. And I think with older generations, that's where we younger ones come in and we have these hard conversations, help them unlearn some things they did and uh, educate themselves better on things that they haven't had. Here's my take, right? Um, it's harder to unlearn something than to learn something, right? So I think um, while it's not okay, but we have to see the reality of it, no one movement, no one thing can be fully accepted by everybody, right? Or will be fully accepted by everybody. And we just have to know that. We just have to fight for justice, right? Um, that's that's what we can do. But the but the optimist in me tells me that if if our generation, um, if we can make sure that people in our generation is behind it, understands the importance of equality, living in harmony, then you know generations to come will be very different from the generation before us. Um, so I think don't give up just because you know someone in their seventies is fighting back with you. Uh, and not understanding it because it's it's that that's what they have known for seventy plus years, and unfortunately, 
Um, even from a scientific perspective, your habits don't change after you hit 40. So to unlearn something, uh, to learn something new, they're just comfortable. And, and don't let that discourage you, right? The, it, you keep these conversations, dialogues going with friends, family as much as you can. We just have to make sure that the generation after us are raised with such uncertain values that we understand, uh, you know, respect and uh, harmony for all, for others and all. All right. Um, yep, Liz, good. I just want to say one more thing, and I and I um, I want people from America, people that live in America, to understand that we're actually so so lucky to be in a position where we can learn all these things, and we're in a position where it, there's people of all different ethnicities from all different places, all different colors, and we also have uh, a plethora of different, like, uh, gay people, straight people, uh, bi, transgender. We have all these people, and all these people exist in our society. And in places like where my mom, she's, or my parents were from, uh, Soviet Russia, gay people were not a thing. It was not allowed to be a thing. Right. They never had a chance to learn about it. They never had a chance to uh, be tolerant of it. They just weren't even given that chance right. until my mom works in the fashion industry. She comes to America in the fashion industry. Of course, she's going to work with a lot of <laughs> gay men. And then she finally had the chance to see uh, w- what they're like and learn a lot about gay culture. And then she finally was able to become tolerant. But back where she was from in, in the time, the place, she wasn't even given that chance. So I want people to realize that we're so lucky to be in America in the 21st century and be able to learn all these things and be tolerant of all these things. And so we never have to be in a position where we just don't know something. All we have to do is ask the questions and you know talk to the different people around you and educate yourself. And we're so lucky that we're able to do that because there's so many countries where they don't have that privilege. Yeah, and I 110% agree with you because many times when, like, people from other countries are, um, you know, uh, throwing shade at America with their problems with racism and things like that, and and my uh, answer to them always is we have this problem because we have people of different color, religion, uh, and and ethnic backgrounds. Like, it's not a problem in your country because... that the only one race is what you know. It's a problem in our country because we have this diversity. And if, where there's good, there's bad, right? So obviously you don't have that problem because you, you lack diversity. But anywhere you have diversity, there, uh, there is problems like that, right? Um, so, so yeah, so 100%. I think we're very lucky to live in a country, live at a time where we're learning so much about each other's culture, religion, um, so much. And, and at the end of the day, we have to know that race, color, uh, religion, it is one aspect of a person. A person, um, when, you, when you take these away, a person is so much more. The essence of a person is what we need to learn to understand and judge them as who they are by their character, not by their uh, characteristics, right? So I think uh, that if we if we can get to that level, I feel like we can uh, very well live in this harmonious world that we dream of. Um, one last question to all of you, 
and we can start with the yelling. So, and, and I feel like we've talked about it in pockets, right? Um, but uh, at the end of this, I want a lot of people to know, you know, what they can do today in order to help and what they, uh, what are some of the things that they can persist on. So like, uh, as an ally, right? Uh, what are you doing to help the black community um, and raise awareness on the Black Lives Matter movement, as well as what do you think uh, we need to do as society to ensure that black people have the have access to the same opportunities um, as everyone in this country going forward. Um, first of all, I finally have a full time job, which is really weird to say Woo-hoo. in this pandemic. Uh, I got it right as a pandemic, like right as New York shut down. Congratulations! <laughs> which, oh, thank God. Thank you. Uh, but uh, before that, I've been working in promotions for a long time alongside like people whose full time jobs are modeling or acting. So everyone was kind of freelance. Um, but one, there's so now that I actually have money, <laughs> I've been donating money uh, to um, having these kind of conversations with so what I was kind of going back to, like the, the two conflicts I'm having in the corporate spheres that I've left, uh, as well as actually one or two conflicts within like the, the modeling actor or whatever industry that I also have left at this point. But I have been trying to be the person that you can have that conversation with because I think g- just going off of the fact that I'm a huge dork and like have educated myself in some of these like historical issues. Um, I think I'm pretty good at explaining why things are still happening and why, um, especially to other like um, people, like children of immigrants, like why that their situation does not align with like uh, the issues of like black lives, like that, that they're not the same thing. You can't compare them on the same metric and, like I've been having those conversations um one of like the big things I've been doing is just giving as much visibility to um one the employees that are calling out all these like corporate structures that I've left um and just being like hey like this is still going on CEO still hasn't apologized let's Let's keep going. <laughs> and also just, just like, I've, I've been doing a lot of like reach out where I'm just like thanking people for like um, telling me things are going on. So one of the companies, the, the beauty oriented company, um, there are a lot of things that went on before I got there. And then also behind the scenes where I did not see as uh, a customer service person in that company where I just, I just didn't know it was going on. And I like kind of got a notion of it, but at the same time, the to- like the culture was so toxic that I didn't feel like I had the right to ask. Uh, that was also another company where, that was like the first company where one, I got a bonus, and then two, was told not to talk about it. And that is like its own issue, but at the same time, it's very much interlaced with this whole like um, opportunities and uh, advocacy within like the corporate culture, like the corporate structure kind of thing. But having those conversations now with people, mostly people who have left the company and finding out that, that this was happening to them and this is happening to them. 
And I had no idea because no one ever talked about it and why it's important to talk about it. Um, and thanking them for telling me and then trying to kind of figure out what the truths were. Just like not even necessarily to do something about it now, years later, but just to know that at least a couple people like know your story, understood that it was, it's valid and that um, you actually went through those things. Um, and then the other, the other side, um, the other side is my, so my boyfriend has left a company that was super racist. Like he was involved in HR conversations, uh, so that he could help kind of, uh, support. There was one girl, I think in marketing or sales or something at his company who was literally like, like they were joking about like, she, she's Korean. And like, they were joking about like the sales people were like joking about her, like eating dog and like stuff like that. Like really intense stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just looked at your phrase movie and then like immediately looked at your dog and I was like, <laughs> super distracted. <laughs> it's fun. Um, it's very cute. It, um, I'm so sorry you guys can't see this, but it's so cute. Every dog is so cute. Uh, my dog is like sitting on the mattress wondering why I'm not paying attention to him too. So this is great. Um, <laughs> But he, so he has had to go on those like kind of HR conversations and we've had to kind of support somebody. One of the most pe recent people who've left is, um, he is black. I don't, I think he's, he's just black. I, yeah, but he, he had reached out because there was, there was suppression, suppression of a story that he wanted to put out. Like it was published and then the CEO wasn't happy about it and they took it from the, took it down from the site. And then I think later on the compromise of that, it was republished on their, one of their like less trafficked, um, less trafficked, uh, publications. And so that wasn't like, we were like live then having this happen to us. To like everybody, like everybody was like online in a bar, like what is going on with Corey's story kind of thing. So we were, um, we're still kind of fighting that. Um, his brother was let go after he left the company um, for seemingly no reason, which in New York State, New York State, that's like a thing, whatever. That's a completely other like uh, thing, but he was let go for no reason and uh, my boyfriend, his brother, and um, this guy are all people of color. And the uh, executive structure is white guys from Portland. Um, a lot of the things that um, were, and these were not the only complaints that were lobbed against them. They, they got lobbed against for their HR complaints about their bro culture, their uh, sexual harassment complaints about them. Um, and it's just kind of like a, a situation that I think they're still trying to, like people outside the company are still trying to get them accountable. Um, and just being able to go and like emphasize those voices. Cause I don't, I don't know what happened before I got to my previous company 
which is where a lot of the abuses, the actual abuses happen. Yeah. And I don't actually, I've never actually worked at the at the path company that my boyfriend worked. But being able to kind of reach out and be like, hey, I believe you. And being like, adding, I don't know. Basically, CNN. basically voicing, right? right? Becoming the voice, yeah. for it, right? Like, basically what you're saying, yelling through your stories or that, the way you're helping, right, is by taking actions. You see something wrong, yeah. you speak up. You voice it, you find ways to uh, gi- give these matters a storyline for people to know what's happening and then ho- hoping that, you know, some actions do come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, I love it. I love it because um, in in theory, we can talk so much about things we can be doing, but I love seeing that you're, you've actually been practicing um, these sort of activism and being a voice uh, for others. So that's great. No, I love it. Um, since, you know, um, Irvi, uh, I can't stop staring at your dog. <laughs> so I well, while you answer this question, you know, what have you been doing as an ally to help the black community as well as what do you think needs to change in order for, you know, black community to have the, the same rights as others? I need you to also answer some of the other questions. Um, one, what is your dog's name? Is it a he or a she? His name's Kovu. Kovu. Uh, he is a... Oh, from Lion King? Old Pomsky. It's a, is it, he's a yeah. Pomsky? Yep, so he's a Pomeranian husky man. So he's tiny and he's very playful, as you guys can I, see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He loves that T-shirt. You know what? You should just give it to him. Yeah, that's definitely his shirt now. I think so. But you know, I'm 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 really really surprised that neither your dog yelling or your dog Irvi has actually barked. Do they not bark? Because like I feel like when I'm on a conference call, ninety percent of the time all I hear is a dog barking (laughs) in the background. Uh, Mine does sometimes, but that's usually if he sees a squirrel outside, and I guess he hasn't seen any. He's also probably more occupied why i'm not playing so it's probably the case here interesting my dog only barks if there's delivery people and we haven't ordered delivery this morning and it's sunday so there's no packages uh so he's just he's like wandering around every once in a while he'll sit down and stare at me because i'm the crazy one because i'm not paying attention to him (laughs) uh that's why you'll see my arm like sometimes do this that's because he's on the floor and like staring at me like mom <laughs> Why have you been staring at the screen for an hour and a half and not looking at me? That's right. insane. Well, I, Why are you being crazy? Well, I tell you what. I tell you what. I'm the culprit here from keeping you guys away from your uh, inner dogs. <laughs> Let me not be the culprit anymore. You know. Let's let's get to the last question. And I promise. And I promise. I promise. <laughs> your dog, Irvi, that your dog will have all of your attention, because right now he's literally on top of you, <laughs> biting your hair, your ear, your t-shirt, everything. So, Irvi, oh. what are you doing as an ally to spread awareness, and what do you think needs to change in order for so, a black community to have its rights? Give me one second, guys. I'm going to... Yep. Sarah, why don't you listen? I'm going to put him in the backyard. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Liz, we'll go with you. <laughs> Okay, um, so what I'm planning to do, so I'm very excited because this summer I'll, I'll be starting, I'll be starting a medical school in um, Philadelphia in a community where they, they serve um, a 
low socioeconomic, predominantly black community. And the, temp- the school itself is very, very diverse. And so a lot of my classmates will be, a, uh, will be people of color. And so I'm so excited to be in that environment where I can learn uh, more on like the medical side of, because that's my passion, more of the medical side of the oppression that happens with black people in medicine. And I can learn uh, why that happens, how it happens, how we can change it, and how I can provide equitable health care to underserved communities and uh, why these communities become marginalized and what that means. And um, I'll be in that environment where um, I'll be in a place where where people are scared to go um, because it is known, like the, the that area is known to be pretty dangerous. And so to, to be able to have, to have the opportunity to go to school there and learn medicine there and learn about the, um, the struggles and, and, and causes of that, um, is really exciting. And so I'm really excited to just be super open to asking questions and learning and speaking to my patients and understanding, um, what my patient's struggles are uh, on a day-to-day basis and um, really listen to them because I think that's such an important part of all of this is just listening and be open to listening. And I think it, it, it's what makes a really good doctor is by really listening to your patients and not just worrying about their um, their immediate healthcare concerns, but also their daily concerns. You know, why are they diabetic why can't they have access to healthier food? Why can't they afford their uh, their testing strips for for their glucometers? And really learning about all that from a, a medical standpoint, and then actually doing something, you know, volunteering at the um, the free health clinics, and going around and, and and passing out healthcare supplies, and also informing and, and teaching the community about healthcare and how to uh, maintain their chronic diseases. Um, so I'm super excited about that, and I and I think that that's how I'm going to contribute to um, helping the society become more equal. No, I love that. I think it's it's great that you say that, Liz, because I've realized that you know black people in general are uh, they lack access to healthcare, right? So unless and until uh, you're asking these questions, right? You're trying to scratch deeper than just the surface. You wouldn't have the answers that are needed in order to um, fix the system that you know, or make fixes to the system in order for them to then rise to the same level of access to healthcare. And I think, um, especially as you can see, we're cu- currently in a pandemic. Still, I know people tend to forget. Uh, and and if you look at the numbers, it's really usually the 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 lower uh, earning communities that are impacted the most, and that's where a lot of the deaths are happening. And 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 as you navigate more into the data, you see it's more black people that are dying because due to lack of healthcare. And yeah, I love that. It's good. It's uh, I think what you're doing is very forward thinking. Um, awesome. Well, Orvi. I, I don't think your dog wants to go to the backyard. No, no. He keeps doing zoomies in the house now. So, but, okay. Um, so in terms of like what I'm doing to help the community or like what we can do as people, um, I think it's important to keep the momentum going on these discussions and these topics because as we know, um, 
uh, as time goes on, things tend to lose momentum. So we just got to keep those conversations constantly happening. I think also what's more important is attend your local city council meetings. As members of public, we have full ability to go to those. And I used to go to those when I was in high school and when I was in college, because you can speak about educational things that need to be done. You can speak about issues in the community. And sometimes the people that are on the council and on the legislative board, they don't know what's happening, right? Because they're at a different place. They're seeing things from a wide lens. So you have to go in and you have to give them the details of how the people are feeling. So I would say go to city council meetings, support local black owned businesses, um, and honestly have those discussions. When you see something that, you know, might be wrong or in terms of if it's blatantly racist, call it out. If you see something where, you know, somebody might be speaking from an ignorant point of view, talk to them. I think that's constantly, that's really important and that's something we need to keep pushing for. Um, also, I think as a society, you know, we talk about white privilege a lot, but we also have uh, Asian privilege, right? For some reason, we're known as the model minorities and you know, we need to use that privilege also to help the black community in terms of create these spaces where they can come forward, where they can talk, um, hold companies accountable, the companies we work for that, you know, don't just have a black person in the um, diversity and inclusion officer position actually involve them in the day to day business because we're all capable of it. Um, so I think we need to also use that to our to to the to everybody's advantage and have those conversations have people accountable um to just create better spaces for people who can't make it themselves yeah no i agree and you know what on that note i'll close it with uh one of my favorite quotes and that is uh diversity is asking someone to the party inclusion is asking someone to dance at the party right um, so yeah, well, thank you so much, ladies. I will no longer keep your dogs awaiting. Uh, I really, truly do appreciate your time. I think it was a very productive conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And, um, yelling, I saw Julian in the background. Tell him I said hi. I will. All right. Julian. Well, Everyone says hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody who doesn't know, thank Julian... Julian is Yaling's boyfriend. All I know of him is that he has the coolest phone, the most latest phones ever, every time um, that I see him. To be fair, he is a tech reviewer. So one, he doesn't always have a good phone. Um, that comes out in the review later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, that's, that's, it's, that's what I'm talking about. It's his job. So... Yeah, he's one of the journalists I was talking about. Yep, so. that's right. Yeah. Cool. Great. Well, thank you so much, ladies. Have Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Have a great one, guys. Bye. Bye.